You're listening to Supervision with a Vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today, Heather and I are talking about how to stay sharp with our counseling skills after we leave school. This week, we read Voice of Experience, A Frightening Truth in the Profession, published in Counseling Today 2022. Heather, we talked about, and the article does too, that when you first leave school or leave supervision, it can kind of feel like a trust fall. Right. You've had support the entire time you're in school. You've had counseling teachers that you're talking to and meeting with. You're checking everything out. You have a lot of safety nets. Mm-hmm. I think you also have, whether it's there or not, right. really, you feel like, well, they told me. Right. That's how you're supposed to do it because they told me. Well, and all of that's fresh in your brain. Like all oh, of it's still all very fresh. Right. right there. It's yeah. right there. You, I remember I just read that book on group dynamics. I know exactly mm-hmm. what I'm doing. You know. I also think maybe trustful or blind trust. Mm-hmm. That was the words that the article used. That maybe you don't completely understand or know why we're doing what we're doing. Right. But you just trust that that is the right thing because that's what they said. I can remember at the one of my very first jobs, kind of like, well, I was in grad school when I had the job, but it changed after I graduated. And it was like a lot of documentation and note note writing and things like that. And someone asked me one time when I was showing them our program and they said, well, why do you guys say it this way or how do you do this? Way? I'm like, I don't know. Uh, that's how they trained me. <laughs> like, yeah. I don't know. I never questioned that before. I <laughs> Right. But yes, you're right. That doesn't actually answer the question we're trying to, mm-hmm. the information we're trying to get to. That does us no good. So it was interesting that, you know, yeah. I don't know why we do it that way. It's right. How we do it. Right. I think this is a good point or a good spot for us to explain supervision, consultation, and how that works. You and I know that we have international listeners. Right. So in the United States, the expectation is that supervision starts during school. Correct. It continues after you're out of school for a certain amount of time. And then consultation might begin. Hopefully, you're doing consultation throughout that time in an informal way with your peers or Mm -hmm. maybe a less formal supervisor. But consultation then continues after formal supervision, and it can be less formal. Sometimes we, in the United States, we call it consultation when you're working towards a certification or credential. Mm -hmm. Like if you're working towards becoming certified in EMDR, the support that you receive or the guidance you receive is called consultation in that scenario. Not a supervision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you and I are both saying that in school, you have so much support wrapped around you, a site supervisor, a school Mm -hmm. supervisor, a lot of direction. And you're saying, I agree with you, that sometimes you just don't question that. Right. The big, important person who's had lots of years of experience has done this a long time. They, well, that's what they said to do. Right. That's how we always do it. Do it that way. Mm -hmm. Right. I have worked with a lot of supervisees that were working towards a play therapy credential. Okay. And you and I have talked about that, that that Mm -hmm. happens a lot or has happened in my experience a lot with my supervisees that they have yet to explore different ways that they might provide play therapy because the supervisor that they had presented one option. Right. 
the program taught it a certain way with a certain direction, mm-hmm. and that's where they're at. Right. I think we've referenced this before, too, that what master's level counseling students in school, it's a really high percentage, like 90 something percent of those students identify with the theory that their theory professor identifies yes. with. Yes, it's very like, high, right. very high ratio. They, they end up choosing the theory that mm-hmm. their supervisor feels most comfortable with. So we've done an incredible job of selling what we believe is a great yes. thing. Yes. But and all of those examples emphasize that it's kind of blind faith or mm-hmm. trust fall that we are following the example that we've been given without questioning it a lot. And then when we don't have that, we don't have that structure support, then what do we rely on? Right. It's it scary. Yeah, it's very scary. I mean, we talked a little bit about this, but just becoming a new supervisor. When you're a supervisor for the first time, you've, you've completed your coursework and now you're officially a supervisor and now you're supposed to be the boss. Mm-hmm. How's that? Yeah. <laughs> have you ever had supervision of supervision? Yes. Mm-hmm. I think actually the course I took gave you three sessions mm-hmm. like it was part of their thing you could reach out but i don't know that i loved it to be honest with you hmm. because i thought the coursework was so different from what i was getting uh-huh. in a person supervision like it was just different uh-huh. so well like what we're talking about i guess like with the play therapist that what they expected isn't what's happening right. or vice right. versa mm-hmm. so then it's confusing or difficult mm-hmm. to make all of those things match with each other right i don't know i've had a lot of supervision of supervision and some of it I've really enjoyed and others I did not enjoy. Right. At one time, actually, the supervision of supervision I was receiving, they didn't think that they were giving me supervision and I didn't think I was getting supervision <laughs> of supervision, but they were instructed that I this was, is what it was to get supervision of supervision. <laughs> and so that was our greatest challenge is that we were not on the same page right. about... This is not, we do not do what we think we're doing. Yeah. What, what was our goal or what were we trying to accomplish? But I think it can help. I think... At one point in my doctoral program, we had, I feel, felt like for a long time, we were provided supervision of supervision. And at that point, I'd been a supervisor for a long time, but a lot of my peers hadn't. So I uh, saw, okay. I could see from a different perspective, the benefit that they gained from I'm having that, for having supervision of supervision. Right. Okay. So the next point in our article is that they used a termite analogy and they said termites aren't bad. But the deterioration that the termites cause create a problem. Right. So I interpret that to mean questioning or trying to understand more or maybe having not understanding isn't a problem as a Mm -hmm. counselor. I think that means growth and it's a good thing. But if you're not doing anything about those questions or not understanding something then it can create a problem. Exactly. And I think that's a big thing that even as supervisors, we can go back and reflect on to make sure we're encouraging our supervisees to search for their answer. Like if they're bringing up something they've never understood before, they have a difficult client, finding out first, what do they know about whether it's Mm -hmm. a diagnosis or what do they know about working with veterans or what do they know? Just digging a little deeper to see what research they've done kind of to model like, well, if you don't know about this, Mm-hmm. We don't need to make that doesn't need to be a hard thing. You yeah. just need to educate yeah. yourself about that certain dynamic. I'm thinking this point, I think what comes to mind for me or examples that I think of are people who you and I were just talking about this maybe last week with each other, that the people that we've known who really quickly moved into private practice, they unintentionally created 
right. silo for themselves. Mm-hmm. They're all by themselves. They're on this island right. that you and I got to benefit from a lot of seasoned counselors mm-hmm. when we were right out of school, even just by being close to them or watching them right. or seeing how they manage situations. But I have known a handful of counselors who went straight into private practice. Not just have I known a handful of counselors that went into private practice, but I've known a handful that went into private practice and didn't have feedback and didn't have support. Right. And then started doing some really goofy stuff. Right. Just kind of just things that... Like they're just on their own doing things Mm -hmm. that they felt like made sense, but they're not getting any feedback. I really, really, really think feedback is huge. So if you're not going to be in a clinical setting to do a lot of your training or anything, you have to have like Mm -hmm. a group of peers that you're going to be talking to. And that's definitely more on the consultation side of it, not revision. But like even getting that feedback is crucial. Like Mm -hmm. you have to know and to be able to trust your colleagues. Mm -hmm. I come to you and I'm telling you, you know, or case consulting about something. And you're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You, you just said that client was 12 years old. Did you consider this? And that can be a really big indication for someone to go, oh, wait. Yeah, slow down. Oh, right. so maybe you're saying, I mean, yes, questions that you have or realizing you don't know something, but sometimes you don't know what you don't right. know. You're unaware. Right, or no one, or you just hadn't thought of it that way. Right. And so you don't know that you need to ask the question, but someone else might help you to point out hey, there's more to this or there's a different way of looking at it. When I think of this, that, you know, this is when things can deteriorate. It always makes me think, I don't know if this isn't, if this number is from Texas or if it's the United States, the largest number of problems that come to the board of ethics have to do with professional counselors having Having sex sex with with their clients. And you think, and when I talk to brand new counselors, they think, oh, I mean, Someone's lost it. Right. Someone's Someone really, really, right. really mm-hmm. lost it if they're doing that. But I always think that's how they get there. That's how a person who started out right. as a studious mm-hmm. person in school who wanted to do a good job and help people and right. wanted to work in a profession where they were caring and supportive, that, that's how they get to a point where they have sex with a client Right, is because there is so much deterioration they're just on their own and they don't have support that crazy things like that can happen mm-hmm. and them not realize how very far from the path they've right. gotten. Like way off. They've gone way off to a different, they're on a different mountain hiking. <laughs> yeah. They're in a whole different. Yeah. I mean, I, maybe that I'm being hopeful or idealistic, right. but I think if they did have other people giving them feedback, Absolutely. somebody along the way would have gone, whoa. Well, even something as simple as like, that seems like a dual relationship. I mean, to catch it before it even became something. I mean, I think if if you're working in an agency and you have a fellow co-worker and you see in the hall in passing a client and a counselor and you just think, that looks funny. Right. Or that's awfully personal. Mm -hmm. That you would in some way give that feedback. Right. Hey, how long have you known that client? Right. Or so, was that a client? Right. Or your sister? Right. Or what's well, happening there? Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I think that's how people get I off track. Yeah. I think it's very easy. Um, have you ever known anyone that just got really off track that way? Or maybe that you even felt like this is significant enough you did something about it? I don't think I've had anything where it's been significant enough I've done something about it, but I have decided not to work in the location before because I didn't mm-hmm. like how they were handling. There mm-hmm. there was too much overlap, dual relationship with clients and therapists by the way their program was set up. Mm-hmm. I just felt like that put compromised the mm-hmm. uh, therapy relationship. Mm-hmm. I've worked with different colleagues before that maybe I don't agree with their plan of action with the client or I don't, that doesn't mean that my way was the right way. I just feel like 
I have given the therapist some feedback. feedback before mm-hmm. with like, mm-hmm. hey, I'm concerned about this. Yeah. Or, you know, kind of giving. I think in eating disorder treatment, I feel like this has happened a lot that those boundaries are so easy to be so easily blurred that maybe like an example would be that not everyone, but often people that are providing eating disorder treatment might find themselves losing weight. Oh, yeah. Or gaining weight. Mm -hmm. And while you might say that doesn't directly affect the clients, it indirectly affects them. But it certainly is affecting the counselor and their ability to make decisions. And in that specific case, I would say it probably does. Most likely it does reflect how they're handling the treatment situation or the relationship dynamic that they are responding in some way to part of that. So getting feedback like that. I've done that before with Mm -hmm. with other counselors. Like, hey, I noticed that something's happening for you. Right. Or I think you're having a hard time. Are you Mm -hmm. taking care of yourself? Right. As a gentle way to begin talking about i think you're having a hard time keeping your boundaries right with this person like or this situation right yeah or may and maybe they're not even aware of it maybe they're not even i think a whole lot of times i mean the times that i've done it 50 50 right the the part i say it to the person and they almost give a sigh of relief that, someone, that someone's yeah. acknowledging that right. they're having a hard time and other times when they go you can see that right or uh, <laughs> I didn't. I got caught. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew I was having a hard time, but I didn't know that there was any outward sign that I was having mm-hmm. a hard time. Yeah. Okay. Our last point in our article: keeping your eyes on the prize. That the farther we are away from school and supervision or consultation, right. the less focus we have. It's true, and that potentially that causes a problem. Right. I think it's again a lack of. Almost like an unawareness. Again, mm-hmm. you don't know what you don't know. But when you pull yourself away from all those support systems, if you're in private practice and you're not doing consultation or you're not reaching out just on a regular basis to colleagues about work, I mean, yes, mm-hmm. you have colleagues for other things too, but like mm-hmm. about work scenarios or work situations, then you're probably missing pieces along the way. You're getting maybe sloppy mm-hmm. or like, oh, yep, this is just another ADD client. I'm just doing yep. my thing. Yep. Like with no further insight, mm-hmm. no drive. No. Yeah, that reminds me of, I had not thought of the, this group in a long time. I worked for an agency and part of their routine was that they had a staffing or rounds, mm-hmm. I forget how many times a week, and they had several locations. And some of my staff went to help provide some coverage for another location. Okay. And I ca- they came back. I actually thought I was like giving them a little bit of a treat. They got mm-hmm. to go to and stay in a hotel room. Mm-hmm. That was kind of nice. A little right. break from the huge. And they came back and they looked really upset. And I was going, hey, wasn't that fun? You got to stay in a hotel. Wasn't that neat? Got to see how somebody else does it. And they said this whole group at this other location had gotten to a place where they talked really negatively about all of the clients. And they went, yuck. Mm -hmm. Oh, guys, I wish you had told me I would have been, I would have tried to have been supportive in some way. But I think that group, that other location, without staying focused right not they didn't catch that they were deteriorating Mm -hmm. in their skills or in their interactions and there they were right being negative about their clients and maybe not realizing how much difference that made or what impact it made on their day-to-day well and generally speaking it only takes one negative attitude one person Mm -hmm. to be really downtrodden and if you don't have someone that's going to rebel that like or to say like 
oh, you personally are having a hard time, not like our whole group. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, it can really easily become a sickness where they just get stuck. Um, The other thing, while you were describing the benefits of being focused and having support around you, I feel this when I go to a conference or a training. Oh, yes. Not any old training. Right. Like not a good one. Yeah. <laughs> right. Not not just a boring training that I'm required to go to, but something I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. Like if I go to the National Association for Play Therapy Conference, mm-hmm. I feel everyone's excitement. And like the energy, right? right. About what new technique could be here. Yeah. What could someone tell me? Like, what am I going to learn? Right. Right. So some of the time, I mean, I can still be focused and remember all the things that I know, but sometimes being feeling that energy again mm-hmm. helps me to stay focused and remember right. what are, what my purpose purpose is right but it also helps that yeah i get a refresher of mm-hmm. a lot of skills that i've learned right. or things that i've done or maybe i think definitely the specifically the association for play therapy conference i always feel creative right after you've had kind of mm-hmm. insights and right. wisdom poured into well, you maybe i think you know i know whatever skill I know, you know, at CBT play therapy, or I know grief and play therapy, Mm -hmm. but by hearing it from someone else or thinking about it from a different perspective, I think, ooh, I just thought of a new way to apply that. Right. Or I just thought of, I've been playing with this kid every week and they do the same thing and I'm it's driving me crazy. I can't figure out what it is that they're trying to communicate. And then I go, oh, of course, how did I miss that? Because I've got focus, I've got en- energy, I've got some new creativity that might help me. Well, and there's been plenty of times I've gone to a conference like that where you're just being fulfilled with like so much information and like you get re-energized that I even walk away going, I know I've been taught that a hundred times. I've been taught mm-hmm. how to do, but that time going and getting kind of refueled on it and maybe I had the right client match or maybe I had the right, right. What it, like it gives you that energy to be like, okay. Now on the ones that I'm a little like stuck on or I'm a little like, oh, we're not making as much progress as I thought. It gives you that boost, like that surge of like, yes, this is what I'm doing. Well, thanks today for listening to Supervision with a Vision. Heather and I would love to hear about why you believe supervision is so important to counseling. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.